Morning, church. We all right? Yeah? Lovely to see so many of you. Um, my name is Gabby, for those of you who don't know me. Um, and I've been a member of MKCC since 2002. So that's 15 years. I know, right? <laughs> so I actually have been part of this church since I was a, a wee youth. Um, unlike many of our youth and those who um, I connect with at Fuse, I wasn't actually, I'd never actually attended um, our youth ministry. I um, went straight into Discovery Kids and because I loved hanging out with the young kids and, um, and showing them the way, really, I guess. But um, that's just a little bit about me. But today I'm going to be talking to you about someone in the Bible who I consider to be a hero. So I'm going to take it from that kind of stance and run you through the story. Um, so my hero is a man. And he's a man whose people were carried into um, Babylon by King, King Nebuchadnezzar. He's a man of faith in God and a man who also respected his king and honored his king. So he's a firm believer of serving God and country, so to speak. And within the scriptures, he's known not only for his faith, but also for his integrity. He's known for his care. He's known for his wisdom. He's known to be a learning man, a man of good reputation. And more importantly for me, I guess, is his influence. So we come to know that actually he was a preeminent man amongst the Jews and he, he was held in high esteem by many of his fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke of the welfare of his people. So for everything about him was about others. That's who he was. You're probably wondering who I'm talking about because it could be a number of people, right? Um, let me give you another clue. Without him, Queen Esther may never have become the woman or the leader that she was called to be. So this morning, my, my hero is Mordecai. I'm going to look at Mordecai in two different areas. I'm going to look at him as a father and a mentor and a guide to Queen Esther. That's the first side of it. And then the second side of it, I'm going to look at him as a faithful man and as a protector of his people. So let's start off by taking a look at who he was to Esther firstly. So Esther's a young lady and um, Mordecai is actually her older cousin. But his uncle, Esther's father, passes away, and we're actually told that she becomes an orphan, so her mum had already passed. So you can imagine being a young lady, um, and both parents are no longer there. So Esther's older cousin, Mordecai, adopts Esther as a father. So it tells us this in Esther chapter 2, verse 7, that he was the guardian of Had Hadassah, so that was her Judean name. And her Babylonian name was Esther, and that's how we refer to her. And that was, her, um, he was, the, he was, that was um, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. And the young woman was beautiful of form and of face. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So you can imagine, as, you, can imagine you yourself taking one of your cousins as, as a parent or as a mentor. That's quite a lot of responsibility. But he owned it and he took it well. So he nurtured her. He taught her how to be a woman of self-confidence, of grace, and of poise. That's what Mordecai did. 
as a single father. So you can see there's nothing that's impossible for those that will rise up to the challenge. So Esther becomes someone quite prominent as a result of someone else's decision to despise and disobey the king. And that's Queen Vashti. Queen Vashti was married to, queen, to King Xerxes. And one day he called for a banquet and asked for the queen to come so that he can show her off to all his friends and say how beautiful his wife was. Queen Vashti decided to not show up and said, actually, I don't really fancy it, so I won't go. Um, and that was an act of defiance and disobedience to the king and her husband. And what happened was that the king decided to dispose of Queen Vashti. But one day he's there and he's thinking back to Queen Vashti and thinking, oh, but I had a beautiful wife, but I've disposed of her, so what now? So he actually sets out and writes a decree and asks for all the young, beautiful virgins and maidens of the land to be brought into her harem. And a harem is a place where they keep all the young females for the king's pick. He could pick which lady he liked. That's as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> and within the harem, Esther, thanks to her grace and her poise and her self-confidence, she catches the eye of a, of a eunuch. So eunuchs were people who took care of the king's various possessions. So in this case, he took care of the king's female concubines and young mistresses and queens, etc. So Esther catches the eye of, of Haggai, who's the eunuch. And Haggai takes a, a particular liking to Esther and he gives her, a, you know, about seven young maidens to look after her and give her extra special care and attention. And so clearly Esther has a lot of favor upon her, probably without even realizing it. But because of this, um, it serves her well, actually. But she's also a woman who'd known how, who'd, who had known how to take guidance because of how she'd taken guidance from Mordecai. So she, in the same vein, she took guidance from Haggai as well. So when it was time for her to be taken to the king, she asked Haggai how she should dress and what she should do. And basically, he really set her up for the position quite well, in my position. He could be another hero, but that's for another day, actually. Um, so in this, in this vein, Esther learns how to take guidance, but that came from the fact that Mordecai had been a good guide up until that point. Esther was warned not to tell anybody about her background, of her being a Jew. And the word tells us this in Esther chapter 2, verse 10. So Esther did not reveal the Jewish background of her people or her family, for Mordecai had instructed her not to do so. So clearly he's a mentor, and she takes what he says quite considerably seriously. Okay. So up until this point, Mordecai had been instrumental in her journey. And he still continued to be so, because he actually continued to protect Esther. The word tells us in Esther chapter 2, verse 11, that every day Mordecai, who was an attendant in the king's court, walked back and forth of the courtyard in the harem and learned how Esther was getting along and what was happening to her. What can we learn about Mordecai doing that? 
He never really left her. He was always present. He was always there for when she needed him. If anything, he positioned himself to be there at the vital moments. That's who Mordecai was. So he was a father, he was a guide, he was a mentor, and he was a protector. And through his role in those positions, he'd become Esther's critical friend. He'd become Esther's critical friend. <laughs> I hope you caught that, Alexa. <laughs> okay. So in being the critical friend, <laughs> he could inspire Esther, he could challenge Esther, he could invoke action, he could, he could actually support her in a way that would lead her to fulfill her destiny because he had come to know the heart of God for Esther. Now, normally we talk about Esther, 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 Esther. And Esther's great because it's nice to have a woman up there in the word and showing how great women can be. Woo! Um, but here, this is Mordecai, who's actually been instrumental to Esther becoming who she was called to be. Okay? So he used his sphere of influence, his nucleus family, Esther, because that's exactly who she was, the nucleus family that he had. And he influenced her to become who she was called to be. That's a hero, right? Yeah, I think so. He didn't have a cape on and he wasn't wearing, I don't know, Batman mask or anything like that. But actually, that's what a true hero looks like. An ordinary man making the difference in a life of who he has around him. His daughter, his cousin, his friend as well. That's a hero. Let's take the second stance and look at him as a man of integrity, a man of faith, and a protector of his people. So the word actually tells us that in those days, this is Esther chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. In those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthram and Therash, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the door, became angry and conspired to attack King Ahasius. By the way, that's King Xerxes, but I, I prefer Xerxes because I can pronounce that. Um, <laughs> but the plot became known to Mordecai, who informed Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in Mordecai's name. So what Mordecai did was rather than go and tell one of the trusted advisors or somebody else, he told his sphere of influence. He told Esther. And it was Esther that went to the king and said, King Xerxes, I hear two of your eunuchs are planning an assassination against you. This information has come from Mordecai. So she told the king that it was Mordecai that gave her that information. That's wisdom. Because actually, that serves him well much later in the story. And what she did was she had it written in the king's chronicles that it was Mordecai that had given that information 
and it saved the king because actually when the king went and sent his own spies to investigate, it turned out to be true. And those two eunuchs were taken and hung. And obviously the king survived. So that makes him a protector of his king and faithful to his king. A man of loyalty, a man of care, and someone who could be trusted. That's the hero. Some people would probably say, okay, so what happened to Mordecai? What did he get? What did he get? He actually didn't get anything at that point in time. But actually, in terms of having his deed recorded in the King's Chronicles was what ended up saving him, if you look down into chapter 8, 9, and 10 of Esther. That was far bigger than receiving, what was it? I don't know, 10 chariots of horses. In those days, it wasn't Ferrari, so let's be real. Um, Yeah. So he didn't get a gifting for saving the king's life. But actually, it turned out for the better. How many of us would continue to do what we're doing, even if we're not given what we think we deserve? But Mordecai did, because he knew that that was his job. And he honored his job, and he honored his position. Okay. Secondly, he was a faithful servant of God. Okay, nothing would come between him and God. No man could become could come between him and God. And we see that in Esther, verse three, uh, two to four, where we're told that all the royal officials of the king knelt down and paid honor to a man named Haman. Just to give you the context, Haman was second in command to the king, and so basically, after the king, anything that Haman said went. Okay. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay honor to him. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day, the other officials would ask him the same question, but he refused to comply. Therefore, they told Haman about this to see whether that would change Mordecai's behavior. But he had told them that he was a Jew. But actually, he continued to defy and ignore the king's command and not bow to Haman. What did he do? He actually put his own life in danger, but because Haman had a distinct dislike for Mordecai, he didn't just want to get rid of Mordecai. He wanted to get rid of everything about Mordecai. He wanted to get rid of all of Mordecai's people. So he also put his people in danger as well. Some would say that's quite foolish, but actually, He stood for the right thing. In life, sometimes doing the right thing may cost you. Standing up for your faith may cost you. But it always works for the good of those that love God. That's what this story is about, if you look at it from the stance of Mordecai. Very different stance than the the times when we look at it from Esther's um, point of view. So his defiance actually created an opportunity. And this opportunity was for Esther to rise up, to be the queen and to be the person that she was actually called to be. So in the act of defiance, Haman 
the king's second in command, convinces the king to set out a decree to extinguish the Jews, get rid of the Jews, because he disliked them. Most of all, he disliked Mordecai. And he did this by telling the king that there's a certain people in the land that don't do what they're meant to do. They don't follow your commands. They do and live as they please. We need to get rid of them. And the king says, well, you've got the signet ring. Do whatever you see fit. And that's exactly what Haman does. Mordecai gets his hands on this decree. And he says it with Esther. But in doing that, he, he's a complete mess because he's realized that this could be it. So what next to do? He tells Esther, Esther, come with me. Let's go to the king and let's plead on behalf of the people. Esther says, but how? You know that anybody who approaches the king without being called, without having that golden scepter extended towards them to come forth, will die and will lose their life. So what are you talking about, Mordecai? You know the rules. You're a government official. You're in the king's courts. You know how, how this works. Listen to what he says to her. <laughs> he tells her that don't think because you're in the king's palace that you'll be spared for the demise of your own people. For if you remain silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish since you did not help when you had the chance. And who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this and for this very purpose. Where are you in your life and how do you know that where you are is not what's going to lead you to your next destiny or your next calling. So in the end, Mordecai gets Esther to do what she's called to do, to acknowledge her calling, to get creative, to use her position and her favor to save the Jews. To cut a long story short, in the end, the trap that Haman set for Mordecai and the people backfires and it comes back onto him the king orders for Haman to be killed and hung in the gallows that he set out for Mordecai. And in the end, Mordecai is replaced, sorry, Haman is replaced and he becomes second in command to the king. So actually, when he didn't get what he wanted or what he deserved, so to speak, some acknowledgement for how he saved the king, it did come back and it did come to benefit him. So what are the key takeaways from this story? Be a hero. Seize every single moment and every opportunity that God has given you. Be intentional, because that's what heroes are. They're intentional. Don't leave things to chance. Do your bit and make a difference to those around you. Be a hero and trust that God will weave everything together for his good even if you can't see the end from the beginning. He didn't see how standing in faith would lead him to actually open the doors of opportunity for Esther, but he did. Be a hero 
and lead and guide your circle of influence responsibly. He actually sponsored Esther in the sense that he supported her and pushed her and positioned himself in a way that would lead her to be who she was called to be. That's what a sponsor is in this context. And in effect, he led, that led to the preservation of the people. And finally, be a hero and remember that God is a rewarder of our faith. The rewards for doing right may not come today. But the fact that you did do right, God will be the lifter of your head. Be a hero, be a mentor, be a guide, be a parent figure, be a man, be a woman of influence. In this case, it is Mordecai, a man who is key to Esther, a woman, being who she's called to be. In this case, it is not a powerful woman behind a good man. It is an influential male figure supporting and driving a woman to be who she was called to be. Rolls a switch there. Be a hero to those around you. Thank you.